What would you buy for $5 billion, Bob? We're jumping in with that. Wow. Five billion? Five billion big ones. What would I buy? Yes. Well, probably a house first, since I'm in an apartment right now. And then uh, after that, uh, probably a Tesla. Ooh. Uh, any particular model? Oh, the best. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, it's like, what's, what's your favorite Michael Bolton song? Mmm. All, all of them. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not exactly the same, but uh, yeah, probably the most expensive Tesla. Sure. Why not? All the bells and whistles. It's not even going to put a drop in that five bill. Um, okay. I think I, I think I know where you're going with this. What would you buy with your $5 billion? Um, peace and quiet. <laughs> I would, I would take a long vacation to nowhere. That's oh, well, do. after I bought the house and the Tesla, then the traveling would totally begin. Yeah. I, you know what? Yeah, I think Five billion? I might even throw in a plane. Yeah, you could totally do a plane. Then you got pilots. It's just five billion. Well, no, I would, do, I would do a plane timeshare. Like, I wouldn't own the plane. I would just buy a share in a private jet. So, yes, you knew where I was going with this. So, I don't know if they actually got fined today. They, meaning Facebook, but um, the headlines were saying $5 billion were was the levy, uh, the fine they were going to levy against them for, I don't know, Facebook doing business as usual, (laughs) Facebook doing Facebook, right? That's a, that's a pretty good, that's a pretty hefty ticket. Yeah. You know, I was, I was wondering, so it's 5 billion a lot. So for you and I, is 5 billion a lot, Bob? Yeah. Hell yeah. 5 billion is very much a lot. For Facebook, is that a lot? Probably not. It's probably just a, I mean, have we ever calculated or has anyone calculated how much they make per minute? Per minute? No, but I do have their annual revenue, Bob, on hand. Do you want to guess? Oh, God, you're the best. Do you want to guess how much money they made or they brought in in revenue last year? It's not profit, but how much revenue they brought in. That's probably measured in probably hundreds of billions, right? Uh, $55 billion. So it's a- Okay, so not 100 yet. No. So $55 billion. So if they get fined $5 billion, that that's a pretty good number for them. It is, unless they do it again. Because to me, I mean, that is a big. It's like ten percent of your revenue. That, that that was no small fine. However, comma, do you just ten percent of your annual revenue though? True. Annual, one time, one year. Yes, once. Which takes me to my point. So if you look at that and go five billion, whoo. Well, you know that's. 10% of our revenue. Hey, hey, everyone, let's just raise prices on ads by 10% so we can pay the, we can just do whatever we want tax next year. What do you think? But really, I don't know. Would you just do that? I think that, that gets back to conversations we had before. Is how much is enough? Like, and I don't know. God, that's a... Well, which, what I think needs to happen is it needs to escalate. So Facebook can't assume that it'll be $5 billion next year. Or, or 10% of revenue. What I think it needs to do is be like, oh, you jokers are going to just keep doing business as usual. Okay, that's fine. How does 50% of your annual revenue grab you? Well, there's probably, gosh, I wish I was smarter in things like this, but there's probably guidelines on how much the penalty can be as well. Well, this there's is the, re- the record because the previous one was like 700 million. So there's a bit of a gap between 700 million. And five billion. So this one definitely upped the ante. And you're right, there may be a limit, a statute limit on that. 
But let me tell you, technology is way ahead of our laws right now. I had a conversation with um, a subcontractor I had around here. And is that a is that a work related statement right there? The thoughts and opinions of Bob and Kevin of the Bob and Kevin show are exclusively the thoughts of Bob and Kevin and not the thoughts of their employers. Past, present and probably not future. Nah, it is a um, somebody who's doing um, excavating oh, you work mean at for my your house. house. Yes. <laughs> yes. Not for me. Oh. So. Um, so, I mean, you have to make it hurt because does 5 billion, 10% of their revenue disrupt them at all? And I would say no, not at right. all. Right. And I, I think that probably when the $700 million, oh, you have a yingling. God damn it. Oh. Oh. I need beer so bad. Mm, beer. Um, so where was I going with this? I think the $700 million was meant to be a deterrent, a behavior changing fine. So five billion, I mean, will it change behavior? Well, you think no, right? Well, we're going to find out. But if I'm Facebook, Facebook is kind of like a certain president we know. Not that it matters, but I'm much richer. Just does whatever they want. And because they can, because there's no one to really stop them, right? So... Facebook, basically what the FCC did is that Facebook were fining you $5 billion to stop that thing you do. And if we were to characterize that thing you do, it's called Facebook. (laughs) You know, it's like, (laughs) stop doing what you do every day, but keep doing what you do and we'll see you next year. I I really feel that we'll be back to this in, in not next year, but probably in a few years. Well, it's interesting. Uh, we just had the disclaimer, so that's good. This kind of jives with a conversation that we were having at work today about email in general, like, uh, you know, email tracking. So anybody who does email marketing, you know, you get an email from, you know, Barnes and Noble or anyone, Amazon, fill in the blank, and it's got a tracking pixel, uh, pixel in it. And that tracking pixel will tell, you know, that you specifically opened it because it's tied to your email address. Um, It will talk about how long you had the email open. It will track the clicks that you made within the email. And if that cookie is associated or if that pixel is associated with a cookie on the other end, then they can track, you know, how you're doing on the website once you get there. And we were talking about all that. And it's like with all the new privacy laws and things that are coming or that have already been enacted, we got to think that email is going to change sometime soon, but that's a total tangential thing. But we were talking about how email, the email industry, the tech industry will be one step ahead of that as well. So they might be able to say, yeah, well, we'll just make a different image, the tracking pixel, like let the author decide which image is the tracking pixel and maybe anonymize what's happening. So it's not tied to my email address, but you'll still get user behavior involved in that. So I just, all this data collection, all this data usage, all this data selling, uh, interesting along the lines of not Facebook necessarily, but we've talked about this before, like 23andMe, the DNA collection services. There was a um, TED radio hour on NPR that we were listening to and we were driving across country interview with the woman that was the founder of one of the DNA places. I think it was 23andMe and talking about how you know, the data being sold 
Well, they actually, she avoided the data being sold thing and said that it actually wasn't, which I think somebody's got some bad research somewhere because somebody just posted about that today. Um, but, you know, used for DNA collection and the police officers, they were very proud that it led to the uh, capture of the something, something killer in California. I can't remember the name. So Not to mention but, that it, it intrudes on your Fourth Amendment right of illegal search and seizure. But you sidestep that by willingly giving it away up front. Well, that's what they're saying. Like in the next 10 years, there could be 100 million people in that database. Don't do it. Bob and Kevin show uh, pro tip. Don't do 23andMe and those things. I actually told the subcontractor I was talking to, because we, we got into Facebook and whatnot. I'm like, you know, there's Facebook. You can quit that. But, you know, you don't even have to be on Facebook anymore to be a part of Facebook, right? They can build a profile on you whether or not you are on Facebook. And I said, well, the only thing worse than that is doing one of these DNA kits. You know, do you want to find, <laughs> do you want to find out that you're related to George Washington? Congratulations. You're not, but you're in the database forever. And oh, by the way... 23andMe at all. They now own your data. As far as I know, I was reading up on an article, citation required. This is where we need to intern. That um, 23andMe doesn't say that you own your own data. They're, they're up front and they're like, no, we own your data. Thanks. Yeah, no. In fact, I think you have to agree to terms that basically says that they can use your data for research and it could help to solve, you know, medical blah, 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 exactly. or criminal blah, blah, blah. And so you're kind of, they're off the hook with that and your data is no longer your own. All right. We need to move along here. Speaking of moves, see what I did there? Um, <laughs> Bob and Kevin, I'm talking about us in the third person. We moved across America. Now, some of us moved farther than others. Bob, how, how many miles did you move? Mine was actually 981 door to door because, you know, we used an app to track our progress to get here. So. And, and so you're now in the mountain time zone in the great state of? I'm in the great state of Colorado living just off the downtown of the beautiful city of Boulder. Which I am completely envious because I've been to Boulder many times, Colorado uh, even more. And yes, you you have hit the... Where do I live? Lottery, Bob. Congratulations. <laughs> there may be an episode soon, episode soon where I will be on edibles. So just be forewarned. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I didn't move quite as far. So I moved exactly one mile uh, from where it I was. It was one mile. Gosh, I was going to say across the street, but one mile is close <laughs> it, it enough. It is one mile into my uh, shiny brand new house. I am coming to you live from Studio 1A. Studio 1A. Still working on this echo that's going on here, but you know, hashtag podcast problems. Um, so my studio needs a name. What's my studio name? Looks like the bedroom. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's my studio name is second bedroom in apartment 304. <laughs> so, um, I asked you earlier and I'm like, ah, oh, crap, it's show content. Don't answer my question yet, Bob. Sell me on command strips. Wow. That was a crazy segue. Um, so I put up a lot of acoustic foam. I only have three blocks of it right now because the other 40 of them are still in the closet because I ran out of command strips. Shame on me. So I have more in order. Um, basically, command strips come in various shapes, sizes, and forms. These are the poster variety that I'm using. And basically, it's a mid-level adhesive technology that has a little, it's put on foam. It's two-sided, but there's some that are Velcro and stuff too. But for posters, it's just a very thin, very light, single, two-sided piece of foam. And uh, 
you stick the wall side to the wall, which is probably a little less tacky, and the non-wall side to the other thing, which is probably a little more tacky. And when you remove them, you pull the foam tab, which basically reduces the surface area of where the adhesive is. And it's supposed to come off the wall without any damage to the paint or the wall material. And does it? Supposed to. Um, so when I moved out of my house, it was basically the stuff that I had up there, the same command strips. It was on an unfinished wall or plastered, but unpainted wall. Um, the adhesive did have some issue with some of the exposed plaster. It kind of bonded a little tighter than it needed to pulled off some light layers. Um, but for the most part, I mean, figure if I had, I don't know, 30 pieces of foam up there, four pe- four command strips per form or foam, 120, I think I had two that didn't do what they were supposed to do, like two out of 120, so that's pretty good. You know, I had never heard of command strips before today. You are fake news. And you would say- That is not true. That is 100% true. <laughs> I've never heard of it before. Dude, I am like behind uh, in just- I think command strips were came out in like the early 2000s or late 90s. Maybe. But here's the irony of it. You had mentioned some the, the phrase command strips just as like, uh, like an offhand, you know, it was just part of your sentence you were saying. Part of my vernacular, it, it, sure. You weren't bringing up command strips. No shit. Half hour later, I saw a commercial for command strips on television. Now, I don't want to go all tinfoil hat because I know there's no way. No way television. <laughs> there's was no Was it way. like broadcast television? Yes, it, like it, it was okay. over the air. So I, I know it, it wasn't possible. But I'm like, what the hell is the coincidence rate of that? Well, that's super coincidental. But what could definitely happen is you could be watching a YouTube video in the very near future and a command strip ad could come up. And that is probably not coincidental. And I will be pissed. <laughs> to be honest, if that happens, I've heard them talk on uh, JRE about um, things that they were like him and a guest were discussing on the show, and then ads coming up before the show even aired. I believe it. I was talking to the subcontractor again about Facebook and tinfoil hat. Wow, that guy didn't get shit done today. He just jawed no, with it, you it all day. It wasn't today. It was, uh, <laughs> it was a couple days ago. But he had given me a similar anecdote. He's like, hey, you know, because he's not a techie, but he's like, hey, I was talking about this one thing and it was very particular and it was just, I was talking and then he went to go Google something and the exact brand he was looking for was in all the advertisements. Yeah, I, I know they're using audio. I know they are. That's what he was and going I know for. He's like, I'm certain my phone is listening. Yep. Then that's what they've talked about on Joe too, is that the only way that they can figure it out is that their phones were listening. Now, that's the only thing that makes sense to me at this point, but I have no proof. So it's still just conjecture, right? But that's freaking creepy. But if enough people are talking about it, I'm telling you, if there's, I mean, I guess you could look at flat earth and say that just because those people are talking about that doesn't make flat earth. My my brother-in-law, he teases me because he sees I've got a few Alexas around the house and he doesn't call them Alexas. He says, oh, I I didn't know you had a wiretap over there. And, you know, he's Ah. like, yeah, I know. Fair (laughs) enough. Yeah. Okay. Moving on. But she's the only thing keeping me company these days. So. Uh, so uh, I've got a few more topics here before we can Jesus, actually- what a giant pre-show list you got here. So have you ever heard of Marshall McLuhan? 
I have. He's the guy with the comments about the sex organs, right? Yeah. So to paraphrase, um, since technology... Hopefully less than I just paraphrased. (laughs) Technology doesn't have... uh, Well, it's not alive and it doesn't have its own means to replicate. So the idea Marshall McLuhan uh, pioneered way back when. He's dead. He died in 1980. And um, so this is way before, you know anyone was thinking along this, but he was basically saying, you know what? Technology uses humanity to replicate and and evolve itself. And, and he uses the phrase basically, I'm paraphrasing mankind is the sex organs of technology. And is that a paraphrase or is that, I think it is is a paraphrase. Um, I'd have to Google it. It, um, The actual uh, phrase was a little more like weird. Verbose. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, and the reason I bring it up because Joe Rogan has talked about Marshall McLuhan and that's kind of where I, I got the thread of I th- or the thought to go check him out. And Sky, well, I think we talked about this on the great AI debate episode as well. Oh, we did. Um, totally. I, I think I got a mention. Okay. Fair enough. Um, but it is very interesting concept. And one thing that Joe had brought up is bees. When they build a new hive, they build the same hive each and every time they don't try to make a better hive tomorrow, a better hive in a week, they make the same hive they've been making for a long time. Where humans, to contrast that, we're never good enough. You can make the most awesome object, and then we are like, fuck that. We need a better object. And I'm gonna start building it tomorrow, and I'm gonna dream it up between now and then and go, what can I do to make this better? And they talked about that in the episode that we're going to talk more about in a little bit, right? They did. See how I God. foreshadow here, Bob? Jesus, See what I'm you're doing the here? best. I'm <laughs> terrible at this. Um, okay, so we got Marshall McLuhan. Um, and then uh, before we actually get into the actual show, I just want to point out that I have real internet again. And I've been catching up on my streaming. And the one that's just grabbing me right now is the uh, Netflix series Dark. Have you ever seen that series? I have not. Please tell me a little bit about it. Um, I don't want to. And our s- listeners. It's 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 sci-fi, and it's okay. Check good. It, and it's in German, so the whole thing is in German. So it's a German production. It's all subtitled. You can subtitle it, or you can flip over to the English audio channel for us uh, oh. not so smart people. But then the mouth, like you know, it looks like an old kung fu movie at this point, where the mouths and the you know the thing don't match up. So what I actually do, I actually listen to it in German because the audio feels like it feels like it's part of the room, you know, correct audio, where if you go to the English, it feels like Bob and Kevin hit mute on the show and we're just like doing voiceover, <laughs> you know? So I actually listen to it in German and I, um, not that I've picked up too much German, but I just, you know, I, I've watched an entire Norwegian uh, series on Netflix before in Norwegian. And but do you watch it with the subtitles or do you I just do. watch it in a native? Okay, good. I found with subtitles, I focus more on the content. Um, it, it's but not, I miss some visuals. It's not too distracting, but it, I'm into the second season. Just to give you an idea, I've made it that far and I'm riveted. I can't wait to watch the next episode tonight. And it's all in huh. a foreign language. But it's sci-fi has to do with time travel, and if I go any more than that, then I'm just spoiling it for you. And I'm a sucker is for it, time travel. Is it riffing off of Hitler's obsession with time travel? Not that I know of. 
Okay. No. It, I just didn't know if it took place in like <laughs> Bob, just World War II Germany. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, that's one of the primary themes of Man in the High Castle is Hitler was obsessed with time travel and anyway. That's another but, one I need to catch up on because I made a few episodes and I got distracted and I didn't come back to it. it. So It really jumps the shark tank in season three. Uh, that doesn't sound good. No, I, I had to... <laughs> I had to stick it out because I was so invested, but... Uh, well, that's no good. It's like Game of Thrones. So, spoiler alert, if you want to watch Game of Thrones, it ends poorly. <laughs> I'm just saying. It's terrible. Okay. You know what we should do? I'm actually going to watch the Cambridge Analytica documentary tonight after we were done See, here. I didn't even know there was one. Maybe I need a link. I just got alerted to it on via email from Netflix today. So All right. Because I watched another documentary very recently. Which one? I guess we could talk about that on the other side of the open. All right, let's do it. Let's start the show. You are listening to The Bob and Kevin Show with Bob Beattybar and Kevin Gishesky. Each week we cover relevant tech and social issues related to technology. Our website is bobandkevin.show. And our episodes can be found virtually on any podcast network. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Just search for Bob and Kevin Show. Hey, Bob, what are we doing today? Kevin, we are totally going for clickbait with today's episode because we're <laughs> going to talk about aliens, Area 51, and the Bob Lazar story as um, he's kind of told it over and over and over again. And uh, yeah, we totally tinfoil hats all the way. And, uh, you know, we're going to use a JRE episode and that documentary that I talked about on the other side of the open. I watched the documentary uh, called Aliens Area 51 and Bob Bazaar. So I think that's why I got the email about the other documentary. Anything else you want to add in there, Kevin? Um, Well, uh, and you are? I'm Bob. I was going to do that after you added in. Oh, well, uh, shit. Sorry. Totally messed up your flow. And I'm Kevin, then. Um, (laughs) Might as well get that out of the way. Uh, I think you got it right. And I will tell you, I'm excited because aliens, right? Aliens. Hell yeah. Well, Let's not confuse everyone. We're going to talk about aliens a lot, but we're also going to talk about, because the reason why the Bob Lazar um, component is in here is because he was hyper, his experience with Area 51 actually was not Area 51. It was L4, S4? S4. S4. He was an S4, but his whole experience was with trying to reverse engineer alien technology. So we're going to actually talk about the technologies that he was speaking of and some of the things that, you know, dovetail out of that. Plus, you know, it's conspiracy and tinfoil hat for sure. But uh, yeah, All definitely right. the technology. All right, let's do it. I'm excited. So, All right. So I'm sure you have notes. Um, I, I don't, but I've got a lot of thoughts that I just want to start going through, if you don't mind. Um, so yeah, yeah. I, I want to set I want to paint the podcast picture for everyone first. So Bob Lazar is a uh, physicist, and back in the day, he was... Is he he a physicist? Yes. Because his educational records have been erased. That's true. But but you're getting ahead (laughs) of me, Bob. Um, But uh, if you look at his Wikipedia, he's also labeled as a conspiracy theorist. So we'll get more into his credibility as we go on. But uh, Bob Lazar um, is a uh, physicist, and he basically says, hey, everyone, I worked 
for the government to reverse engineer alien technology. And he didn't leave it just there and like, ooh, you know, spooky, you know, key the spooky music. He got into very specific things, things that are, from what we understand about science right now, are impossible. Bob, question for you. What do we know about gravity? As he, oh, mankind? good. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you're going to start there. Actually, one of the things that he pointed out, which I didn't really understand or know, is that it's actually been in the relatively near past, recent past, that we actually discovered the true wave nature of gravity. Yeah. Is that? Yeah. So is it a particle? Is it a wave? Is it a particle? Is it a wave? And I believe the current theory is gravity is a wave. We, uh, we can, we've claimed to be able to detect gravitational waves here on Earth when two black holes merge and bang into each other, for lack of a better term, bang, <laughs> and we can, we can uh, feel those waves here. And, and some say we can also possibly hear or detect waves from the original Big Bang as well. But I digress. Continue. Uh, I'm continuing oh, about gravity. Gravity. So what, what do we know about <laughs> gravity, Bob? Where, where, where can we find gravity? Oh man, you're pushing me way over my depths here with the understanding of our physical world. I like so. to make you uncomfortable. This is this is what I do. An apple falls out of the sky and lands on Isaac Newton's head. There we have. We gravity. find gravity where there's mass. So where there's more mass, we'll find more gravity. Where there's less mass, we'll find less gravity. Bob, do do you yourself generate gravity? Since I have a mass, I would say that I probably do generate a small amount of gravity. Yes, unless you're a dumbass, then you then you do not. But okay, that was a really terrible joke. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Moving on. Um, so we know where to find gravity. We know that gravity likes to pull things together. Bob, how do we make gravity? To the best of our human knowledge, we cannot make gravity or its sub or its alter component either. Anti-gravity, Anti right? So, so to summarize, as humans, we don't know shit about gravity. We just know the apple right. falls from the tree. We know where to find it. We don't know what generates it. Necessary, you know, besides mass, where there's mass, which is more of where it's found. We don't know how to turn it off, turn it on, or anything like that. So for the viewers or the listeners at home, if I were to say to you, Bob, and I know you know the answer, if we were to have a piece of technology that was able to turn on and off gravity, a gravitational field, basically with a light switch, you would say that is... Amazing. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry. I'm making this... A alien, alien technology. It would be amazing. So... Bob Lazar was interviewed by Jill Rogan, and one one of the extraordinary claims he's making is is he walked into a room with a a basketball shaped reactor, and his cohort said, "Go ahead and try to touch it." Bob reaches his hand out, can't touch it because there's a uh, like a, a repulsion force. Now it's similar to when you take two magnets, and you know the poles that are similar you can't get them together of course let's not confuse electromagnetism with gravity but it's a similar effect where you try to put your hand on the sphere and he couldn't it, it, he said he absolutely could not do it then when he turned it off he could so that's a quite the extraordinary claim wouldn't you say bob 
It is, and it's, I mean, let's not skip over the the technological aspect that they were, in the scientific aspect, that they were actually able to figure out how to turn it on and turn it off. Yes. Because it, it, we didn't have the light switch or the, 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 the power on button. Correct. And from what I understand, and maybe I got to re-listen to the interview, but it was, there was no wires whatsoever with the sphere. They were basically, it was like a handful of elements, maybe, and what I mean are objects, it's called objects. So when these objects were near each other, they worked. When you separated them, it no longer worked. So it had to do something with proximity to each other. Right. And super like simplistic solid state. That was one of the things that he commented on. And I think it's probably important to note that this, when he was on with Joe, this was not the very, the very first time he was sharing this information with the world. He's been sharing this information since the late 80s. Correct. And his story has been super consistent each and every time he talks about it. Yeah, so in 1989, he basically um, was, you know, had like the, the, you know, where you're kind of silhouette and you're, you're doing the the fake voice you know i don't know why i sound like batman all of a sudden but um <laughs> george knapp was the uh the investigative reporter out of las vegas who kind of helped break the story if you will so and i had actually heard of bob lazar way before this joe rogan podcast so i was actually very familiar with bob lazar how about bob Beatty Bart? were you familiar with this story I knew the name and I've heard, you know, a lot of the mythology around Area 51, but never really connected the two and was very unaware the level of detail that that Mr. Lazar was sharing with the world and kind of actually shocked that he's alive sharing that kind of information. But I learned more about that through the documentary and the episode as well. I've got two things about that. So number one, before I forget, Carl Sagan, I believe, said extraordinary claims require what, Bob? Extraordinary, extraordinary belief. Extraordinary evidence. Extraordinary evidence. Okay. <laughs> extraordinary belief. Heck, you could, yeah, sure. But extraordinary evidence as well. Now, Bob, have you ever signed an NDA? I don't actually. Maybe one. Maybe one. Okay. Do you think back in the day when, when Bob Lazar worked for the government that he had to sign a mountain of paperwork? Um, about keeping his yapper shut. I know that he mentioned a bunch of um, HR onboarding in his experience, but he made it seem like they got right into extraordinary claims in his onboarding. And I didn't really hear much about signing a non-disclosure. You know, and I think he tried to explain a lot of that away by the hyper- compartmentalization of the things that they were exposed to. So he was big in propulsion, but he didn't really get involved in anything other than that propulsion motor. So I'm glad you brought that up because I'm going to, I'm going to segue into integrity, which is if you were to put in big bright lights, do we believe Bob or not? What's his credibility? And it's really weird to say your name, but I mean the other guy. (laughs) So So I say, that's why I say Mr. Lazar, Mr. Lazar. All right, let's go with that. Because um, some, I listened to the entire Joe Rogan thing, and, and one of the things I was listening for is bullshit alerts, you know, going, oh, that's bullshit. That oh, as happen. I'm sure Joe was, too. Now, what's interesting is Bob Lazar, Mr. Lazar, had referenced compartmentalized information. I personally had a top secret SCI clearance in the military. 
Do you know what the what's the acronyms? What's the acronym stand for? Special compartmentalized information. Uh, so you not you didn't never got to see the whole picture. You only got to see your piece of the puzzle. Right, and and when you come onto a project, they read you on because basically they say, "Here's this information, and sign here because if you divulge this, you're fucked." And so, of course, I think this was back in the seventies or or early eighties when he was working on this project. But when you get into this compartmental, two things, one thing is what he was saying, I I thought was credible going, yes, that's exactly what they do. Give you only what you need to know to do your job. And he, he, he said that the other thing was, you know, I'm, I'm very um, certain that he would have had to say something or sign something that says you can't talk about this. So on the other hand, I'm going, you know, you're right. Maybe he should be a target of the government at this point or some sort of espionage act. Because if you go on, if you're Edward Snowden, you're going, hey, wait a second. Wait. How's this guy? Get, how's this guy get off? <laughs> wait one gosh darn minute. Um, so either they didn't have him sign anything. Uh, or at, you know, maybe back then it, they didn't think about that, but you would think, you know, space race had already gone on, you know, sign here, hush, hush. So I would think they've got that all figured out. CIA, F- FBI had been around. Well, wouldn't one of the biggest indicators that he was maybe onto something would be if he disappeared. Like he even said when he came out to the investigative reporter in the late eighties, you know, the only reason why he was coming public with it was as an insurance policy. Yes. So like if something, if something tragic happened to him, that would kind of be like the conspiracy world's, you know, sprinkles on top of the cupcake that, Oh my gosh, he's dead. He's a martyr for the cause. You know, let's really storm area 51, which Good. we could get to that a little later. <laughs> <laughs> Good word martyr. Cause you took that right off the top of my mind. And nice reference to the Area 51 storming, which is, yeah. Um, so, but, <laughs> so that's what I, uh, I'm torn because part of me is like, you know what? That he, he sounds like a guy who was there because he's, he's saying the right thing. I've worked for the government. I worked for, for secret programs. I, I get what he said, dude, I'm with you. Yeah, I'm like, yes, this is exactly what it would be like. But on the and other, how would he know that? How would he know that if he wasn't involved in a project like that? Um, so is that common knowledge? Yes. Yes. It, it, okay. If you want to, I mean, you can be a civilian and be, have a secret clearance, top secret clearance. And you know, just like he was, he was not in the military. So you just have to be around that sort of government secret program stuff to know or, or what. So that's definitely right. But according to his record though, there's no record of his employment there. That was part of the investigative reporting aspect of it. Without him digging in, he, in theory, he shouldn't know about compartmentalized. Eh, I, I will. I will not give you a point for that because I think it's fairly common knowledge. Because you could look it up on the interwebs. Well, not even that. I mean, just. I mean, just based on his age, um, there's a lot of defense Department of Defense jobs, and, and it's very common. I mean, you go down here to Fort Wayne, you work for Raytheon or General Dynamics. It's all the right. same thing. But according to his work history, he's got no experience like that, though. Well, so that's interesting, right? It does seem like there was an attempt to like erase him from history because, um, yeah, they, they allegedly have no um, 
record of him working there. He said he worked at or went to school. Or no record of him getting top secret clearance as well. Well, but you also... Except for the guy that the investigative reporter found who remembered him from the interviews. This is also pre-information age record keeping. Um, Side note, most of all the military records burned in a massive fire in St. Louis in, you know, like the 80s or 70s. So most of military history got burned. (laughs) Somebody thought it was a good idea. Hey, it's risky to have this stuff everywhere. Let's put it in one place. Then it burned down. (laughs) Oh, shit. So... That's a conspiracy for another episode. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, uh, you know, no smoking gun here. But one thing he did talk about was there's a photo of of Mr. Lazar um, on some in some magazine somewhere, newspaper, some periodic rocket car that shows that you know he was there. And well, it didn't show that he was there. It was talking about his rocket car. But when they identified him in the article, they said physicist at you know, this lab, you know, so they, not only did they erase his S4 time, they tried to erase his employment before he ended up at S4. And that's where the article in the newspaper kind of like proved that that was not necessarily, you know, that he actually was employed at this local lab. That was Lincoln something maybe. I don't know. You know, he reminds me of just looking at him. It looks like Stephen King a little bit to me. Yeah. And well, I think that's a whole look from that time period. <laughs> maybe he looks like the seventies, early eighties. Yeah. Um, so he looks like, he looks the like 80s a nerd from sure. that time of life. Um, so, but the reason I get the Stephen King vibe too, is he could just be a really good storyteller. And you know, some people can sing, some can't, some people just have talent to bullshit and they have the talent to bullshit over time. And so I'm, I'm playing both sides of the, the argument here right now, but it's very possible that he just got his picture taken in a magazine. Hey, where do you work? Oh, I, uh, I work here. And then now it's fact suddenly because somebody printed it. Well, that's not necessarily true. If I say I work, I'm the president and somebody prints it. Well, that doesn't make it true. Does it? No, but let's talk about the Tic Tac. All right. Hit me with it. Because I think this is one of the things that kind of connects like this would be one of those like BS things. Like you, you could, if you were sniffing it out, because when he starts talking about this, the craft, the craft that he saw flying, he talked about how it didn't fly horizontally. Like, you know, your stereotypical drawing of a flying saucer, it tipped up and then went forward from there. Belly forward, no, right? Yeah. Belly forward with like no regard for, um, you know, drag or friction. Just like, you know, the, the least aerodynamic shape you could possibly make. <laughs> right. And then fast forward to within the last 10 years, you have these declassified statements now coming out from military pilots in video footage as well that shows a vertical-oriented tic-tac in most of the footage repeated like from different sightings from different individuals. I feel like that ends a lot, adds a lot of credibility because he's been talking about this once again since the late 80s. Yeah, and um, yes, and for the layperson, Mr. Lazar has claimed that the U.S. government has exactly nine craft. Well, nine that he saw. Correct. Nine plus in their possession. And he said they had all the bay doors open once he could see them all, and they were all different. So there's like the sports car model. There's the there's the grocery getter alien <laughs> vehicle. And, you know, 
Joe asked him, hey, do you think these are just top secret military craft? And I'm pretty sure Bob was definitive or Mr. Lazar was very definitive, said no, because reasons and they were there's just they just weren't. You know, obviously, if you have a gravitational field generator, that's non-terrestrial, right? Right. And why would they be asking them to reverse engineer stuff that they should know was about. theirs? Oh, that, yeah, that's a great point. that they built. Exactly. You know, so. the part that scares me or not scares me, but makes me raise an eyebrow. He had mentioned <laughs> something about, you know, Joe's like, well, where'd they get these? You know, they find them, find them in an old parking garage and, you know, abandoned parking lot somewhere. They don't care. And apparently they found them buried. Like they crashed many years in, in the ancient past. He said that they said they that they were in different states of like preservation, and yes. he also I think he said he couldn't venture guess how long we've had them. True, and I really liked and it made a lot of sense when he talked about how you know they only got very very short way in their research on the propulsion, and he said I'm sure they just put it back in the closet, wait for our technology to get better. And then bring on, you know, a couple more contractors to start to take another whack at it to figure it out. Speaking of taking a whack at it, Mr. Lazar suggested that his predecessor was killed by trying to cut into it or something like that. And he did bring up a good point. Like, you know, if this were a 19th century Victorian, you know, person studying a nuclear capsule, that's very 20th century human terrestrial thing. And they were to reverse engineer and tear it apart. They would all die from radiation. And, and then the people who checked on them would all die. Exactly. From and then Mr. <laughs> Lazar is like, you know, what are what are the things? Clearly, they can make their own gravity at will. What else do we not know about this technology? Are, how are we somehow? What are the dangers that we just don't even know about? You know, we're going to rip open a, a wormhole in the laboratory. Are we going to create a black hole if we switch the thing left instead of right? You know, what are we going to do here? So I, um, but actually, I didn't get to my scariest point. So we have potential that we have buried alien technology that was unearthed. You know what's you know what this means, Bob? That guy from Ancient Aliens might be right, and I don't want that to be true. <laughs> <laughs> that guy's like, oh, "I didn't win the lottery. Well, it's because of aliens. Uh, you know, everything is aliens." So yeah. Well, see, that. and that's the weird thing, and I think that even Mr. Lazar acknowledged that he doesn't like being associated with all the UFO whack jobs, right? you know? And, you know, he apparently gets people who come and camp out by his house all the time. And he goes, they're all just the weirdest of the weird. And he would rather not. And, you know, he, the, the biggest point that he made, and he always kind of like kept going away from the fact that the government is hiding aliens from us. And he kept going to the, the, the moral responsibility about the technology, not so much that, that there's aliens out there, but there's technology apparently available to us that can change gravity. And he said, that's a, that's a game changer. That's a force field. And whoever has that force field is invincible. And so that's the part that scared me the most. 100% correct. However, I'm glad you went here because when Joe's like, dude, aliens, doesn't that get you excited? Yeah, I'm paraphrasing. And he's just like, yeah, not really. I call bullshit on that. If somebody's like, dude, this is alien technology, you've got to be dual psyched 
or scared or whatever. You can't be one or you can't be just like, yeah, aliens, shoulder shrug, but gravity. You got to be excited well, about both. I, I kind of felt like he might have thought the alien part was a little bullshit at first, too. And then when he saw the technology, the the jet car nerd in him really almost like but I believe that for him, the alien life stuff did play second fiddle to the technology because he said he saw so much that just doesn't exist in today's technological world, you know, with the the archways that became screens and that everything in the inside of the ship was flat in the same color. So like there was no distinguishable um, control panel or anything like that. Everything was just a, a gloss surface. So it's made by Apple. <laughs> <laughs> but all right. Thank you very much. I'm here all week. Okay. So he also um, made claims before 2003 about element 115. Do you know what 2003 brought us, Bob? Is that when it actually landed on the periodic table or? Correct. Okay. So some people will say, hey, he knew about element 115 before it existed. The thing is, I call bullshit on that because, well, kudos to him for talking about it, but we, we can predict all of these elements ahead of time, whether or not we've actually synthesized or generated them as another thing. So saying, well, right. So you can take an unexplainable phenomena and attach that to the hypothesis that there's an element behind that. No, no, no. I'm, I'm going more simple than that. There's an element 114. There's an element 116. Guess what's in between? <laughs> 115. Well, okay. It's the name, but it's not so much the name of the element that was the, the, the trigger point. It's what the element represented versus what he was explaining about the stability. So the alien craft or the alien technology was able to utilize a stable version of this what's now called element 115. Right. But element and I think it's the, but I think it's the chemical makeup or the, you know, the, the octagonish diagram and the, the components, the elements, the molecules, the, the molecules. <laughs> yes. Thank you. That that's what was the, the, well, the connection, not the name, but the actual structure well, of well, element. an element is not a molecule. So let's, let's, right. So it's, it's base. It, right. So if we want to go smaller, we can talk about quarks, but, the reason that you can't really discover element 115 is because it's, element 115, by definition, is an element with 115 protons. And then that's it. So that's what I'm saying. We don't, you don't have to discover anything about it. You just, the, the thing is, is we, it doesn't exist in nature because it's not stable. The half-life of element 115 is only a few milliseconds. So right. by by time you generate it, it's already turned into like calcium and, and something else. And, you know, it just breaks down. It's highly radioactive because it's unstable. So kudos to him for talking about it. But we, I, I want to pump the brakes on that. He knew about element 115. Well, I just pick one that's currently not reproducible in the lab and say, I knew about it now. And then in the future when somebody can synthesize it, because that's all we did in 2003 was synthesize it by smashing atoms together. We took calcium and something else and... For a few minutes, it stuck together, then it decayed back to its constituent parts. But for a little bit, we had Muscovium, which is element 115. So anyway, I did How think it you was You sound like a smart guy. <laughs> well, uh, I have read Astrophysics for People in a Hurry by Neil deGrasse Tyson. And 
I have the book. I have not read it. <laughs> <laughs> my copy, coincidentally, is in Colorado uh, at my uh, boss's house. Um, he checked it out a while ago. I wonder if he's read it by now. But anyway, I digress. I pinged him on LinkedIn today. Oh, I yeah. wonder if he's going to hit me back. He's an elusive one. He is. All right, Bob, I'm going to ask the question. There's a the question? Oh, shit. Well, it, I'm not going to ask you to marry me, so let's get that <laughs> out of the way. <laughs> Good, because I'm spoken for. Because to do that one, you don't ask that question. You pop that one. You know, there's a ah, semantic difference there. So anyway. Very, very small difference. And, and you can sidestep duck dodge this question however you want. I always do. Do you believe in aliens? Yes. Like, and I'm talking about grays type thing, not microbes, not maybe in Mars, which is technically an alien. No, I think it's incredibly selfish of us to think that of all the planets and all the stars and all the galaxies that we are the only ones that have life that I don't want to say intelligent because they even touched upon this in the episode. So great. They have a, a stable element 115. Let's call it that for lack of argument. They have that. And with that, they were able to make this, you know, anti-gravity propulsion system. Maybe that's because that's all they have. Like it doesn't necessarily like the, the, the common belief is that there's some kind of like technological evolution where you somehow transcend and you become that that great alien race that has anti-gravity tech. But what if that's just freely available in their society and instead of making a steam engine, they made anti-gravity propulsion. They talked about that so. specific case in the Joe Rogan podcast and they said, what if they come here and be like, holy shit, these guys got all kinds of shit that works on things that blow up and burn. Holy crap, that's cool. You know? Right. But I, I do Let's think it's selfish them to... kidnap in right. their kidneys. Probe them. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> but I mean, I th there's got to be other either the equivalent of us or like us dolphins walking on land somewhere, you know, who knows? So I've gone back and forth. So younger me is like, hell yeah, aliens, they're here. They're, they're just shady. Older me still believes in aliens. However, I highly qualify my answer. So having been influenced a lot by Neil deGrasse Tyson, I believe Dr. Tyson believes that it's very likely that there's intelligent life out there. However, comma, Due to this sheer vastness of our universe. That's one of your catchphrases, by the way. However, comma. <laughs> I, I want that on a t-shirt. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> However, comma. Uh, Oxford, comma, or not. I don't know if it counts there. Anyway, uh, Dr. Tyson would probably mention at this point, well, do you realize how absolutely big the universe is? And even if you could move at the speed of light, it would take you a long time to get here. A long time. And we know you can't move the speed of light, or at least we presently believe you cannot move at the speed of light. We also believe you can't generate gravity, but something might be able to. So they're notwithstanding impossible technology, that exotic technology, if you will, I feel that if there were aliens out there, they're just too far away to get here. Or they've already lived and died and <laughs> whatnot, or they know better than to come and visit a savage race like us. Yeah, maybe they decided long ago we were not worth coming back to and these, you know, these nine ships that we accidentally stumbled upon, you know, that was their their artifacts from a time long forgotten and they just didn't break down. Yeah, and you could go very sci-fi and very cool Netflix made for Netflix thing like, you know, 
aliens were here and then they seeded this planet and they looked just like us, but they moved on. And, you know, now they're seeding the universe with a bunch of ape-like creatures or they came here and they spliced our DNA with monkeys that were native here and, and, and our alien, you know, this is what our quantum leap of intelligence was. We took, they took an ape and they put their DNA and spliced it. Yada, yada, yada. You just go on and on. What if, what if, what if, what if, what if. And it's cool. I'm totally like, yeah, tell me more. You know, give me some popcorn though. You know, let's talk about it, you know. But just just what I know about physics and the speed of light and the distance between everything, it's very unlikely. Yeah, but you're framing this under our current understanding. Yes, I am prejudicing it, it with that. Right. So, I mean, under under that, if that's the premise if we have to shape everything under our current understanding, then no, it's just not possible. So, but that, but that goes back to the selfish thing. So let me, let me ask the second question. If there were aliens and you, we made contact with them, would you invite them here? Mm, I've never seen that end well in the movies. Um, but no, God, we can barely keep our own shit together. We're like the young couple who is debating on having children and we can barely feed and clothe ourselves. You just got to pump the brakes on that. And we can't invite aliens to come over for dinner if we can't have our own shit together. Yeah, it's just not going to work out well for us. At all. I mean, when you look at humanity, we, we try to kill each other. So I imagine, you know. Yeah, we're, we're barely able to accept each, every single shape, size, and color we have here on good old planet Earth. So if we bring in... Marvin the Martian, that dude's going to have a, well, let's not assume his gender, but their gender, <laughs> um, that, that, that them is going to have a hell of a time here on planet earth. So I've watched a lot of alien invasion movies, Bob, <laughs> if, if you were general of this alien invasion force, cause, cause I have a strategy here, by the way, how would you get rid of the human threat on earth? If, if that were your marching orders from aliens or alien high command? I would um I would do a large monetary investment in Facebook so that they could expand <laughs> and that would dispel our certain doom. And it would implode and kill all humanity. Yep. <laughs> What's your strategy? Wow, you're way more creative than me. Um, <laughs> mine would you know, a lot of these movies you see that they come down here and they like duke it out with us, you know, lasers and you know, or they eat your face or something, or you know, they jump out of your stomach or they have this giant death ray and it blows up, you know, the White House. I think if in reality, if aliens were to come here and they'd be like, Oh, we're supposed to exterminate them, we would do like we would do cockroaches. We would spray poison on us, or we would have a biological weapon set set to ten minutes <laughs> disperse, and then after ten minutes we would go like kick the bodies out of the way, or wait another hundred years while all the bodies are decomposed and go. Well, there's another planet under our belt here, and I mean it would wouldn't make for a very good movie. Is my point right? But there's the whole flip side of that. You know, if someone, if something from out there comes and visits, what's to say that they're going to even be able to exist within our atmosphere and with our germs and with, you know, Correct. we got a lot of shit going on down here. Oh yeah. Kind of like what, what the, the Europeans did to the native Americans, right? Hey guys, uh, not <laughs> only are we going to screw you out of your riches, we're going to give you this thing called smallpox, but we're going to do it unwittingly. <laughs> I guess it just all worked out for us. <laughs> Man, I'm terrible. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> but it is. It's a story as old as time. Yeah. You know, the the in, people in a foreign land, it's a it's a tough road. Yeah, so um okay. So on good old planet Earth. Have you ever been to Roswell or anything like that? The Mecca? No, of but I'm in a I'm in a much better jump off point here, so cuz I'm thinking road trip is all I'm thinking. Well, funny you should bring that up. I don't know the exact date that everyone's supposed to storm the old uh, Area 51, but uh no, Bob, I'm not going to storm it with you. <laughs> well, but maybe we hang back and we just kind of... <laughs> yeah, so in case the bullets miss the guys in the front row and they get us. Well, we just have to hang back real far. It just kind of be like for the experience of it. We get the t-shirt, we don't get killed. So I'm not on Facebook, but I, I've seen the headlines where like some guy created a Facebook group. We're going to storm Area 51. I think it's in September... And he started as a joke, and now there's like hundreds of thousands of people signed up for this. Is that? Yeah, I think it was, I think it's close to half a million. So first off. Now, of course, some of those are signed up for fun, like shits and giggles. Like we would, I I might do it after we get off the show here, just so I can, (laughs) just so I can be in the know. Um, Well, I was going to say, maybe we need a spy, Bob. Can you let me know what's going on? I'll be an an inside man, because I'm sure the government doesn't have any of those in there already. All right, so. Uh, let me bring it back to Bob Lazar real quick. What on a scale of one to 10, 10 being most credible, one being get the fuck out of here. What did you find that Mr. Lazar was? I really wanted to think he was a crazy kook, but he's a very empathetic character. Um, I'd probably give him at least an eight. I'll, I'll match your eight. The, the thing that bothers me is if you don't want attention, why do you go on Joe Rogan? He did answer that question because Joe asked him the same thing. And actually, it's funny because Joe ends up asking a lot of his more controversial guests that same question. Um, but I don't remember really how Bob answered that. I think I, I think he used that whole, it's it's his moral duty to let the people know that there's this technology that exists that our government's not talking about. I'm pretty sure that's what he went to when, when Joe asked him that. Do you believe the U S government can keep a secret of that magnitude? They've got a lot of things going in their favor with that kind of secret though, because on its surface, it's cuckoo nutso. And there's plenty of people out there who don't have the backgrounds and don't have the alleged firsthand knowledge that, Bob Lazar has that really take away the credibility of anything that's said along those lines. So they got that going for him. We can't, a congressman cannot have an affair without it being public within 24 hours, it seems like. so. Right, but that's highly believable. Alien <laughs> spacecraft alien spacecraft, and anti-gravity propulsion, that, that's not so easy for most people to wrap their heads around. All right, let's punch a little hole, or let's, let's try to punch holes. I'm not trying to discredit Mr. Lazar, because I'm giving him an 8 out of 10. I thought he was, if he's bullshitting us, he's doing a really fucking good job, is all I'm saying. Right, and I think it's our duty as people to, like, question everything. And so when this comes up, yeah, we got to question it. So what's your next hole? Let's hear it. Bob, you and I, uh, well, let's... You have coworkers where you work, Bob. I have coworkers where I work. If, I if somebody were to say, hey, Bob, who did you work with at your company? Kevin, who'd you work with? You could provide a list, right? Yeah. Why 
can't Bob Lazar kind of give more than a few names? Well, see, and this is where you get to the whole like convenience of his lies too, if they are lies. Like he sets a very rigid structure for, I was in a department of two basically, and it was hyper compartmentalized and we didn't fraternize and we didn't work with any of the other departments that were working on the various technological aspects of the craft. So he can explain that away. So he does reference the guy that he worked with in the lab, the one other guy. He references the guy that interviewed him for his top secret clearance. But you're right. Other than that, he's got a pretty short or non-existent list of names. Like easy ones like, who's your boss's name? Who'd you report to? Who wrote your reviews? Where's HR at? He didn't mention any of those aspects other than the reports that they used to have to make. But he never, I don't think he ever, he mentioned that he, either he never mentioned it or he mentioned that he never got feedback on those reports. He he did. Like it was a very interesting. He did talk about, because Joe asked him, hey, uh, could you, you know, he. He could. He went back to like Los, Al- Los Alamos or wherever he worked at. That's right. And, Los and they could Thank they you. could navigate the hallways. And, and to me, that's like okay. That's that's a very good indication that you've been there before. But it also could mean that you were the janitor. You know. Right. Um, it, it could, but there's also no record of him being employed as a janitor there. Right. Um. <laughs> so back to Carl Sagan. Extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. At this point. Nothing besides, you know, word of mouth can, comes out. Now, the I've been... The hand scanner, though, the hand bone scanner was a big deal, I thought. Yeah, explain that one, because I'm not sure. I mean, I know what you're talking about, but paint a better picture for me. So, the facility had security measures in place. So, you think of like a, a scan card or something like that. What they had is they had a device that you would put your hand on, and a light would shine from above, and you put your fingers in line with the pins... And it would measure the bones in your hand, which apparently, I didn't know this, is a very unique uh, pattern for, it's, it's a unique pattern for each person. So nobody has your bone length structure in their hand. Even though if their hand could be the same size, various measurements in various places are going to be unique to you as an individual. A lot of bones in your hand. Yeah. So they used that. That was their security in that those buildings and he had spoken about that in the early or late eighties, early nineties. And everybody was like, they're, they're full of crap or he's full of crap. This technology is not used anywhere. And then years later it was declassified and there was images of the actual scanners used in other government facilities. So if he wasn't in a facility like that, he wouldn't know about this device when he was speaking of it before it became public. So, so a, a positive point for, um, Mr. Lazar is that he mentioned that when you get a clearance, they come out and interview your family and I can give firsthand knowledge of how that works. You have an investigator come out and they scare everybody, <laughs> not on purpose. It's just like, hi, I'm investigator. So-and-so I'm researching Kevin's past and you got to list, you got to like have a human still alive carbon life form who can place you every year for the last 10 years. So it's like, okay, Kevin, um, and let's see, what did I get my top secret in 1996? Where were you? Okay. I need a, I need a name who can, who can say you were where you were and what you were doing. And so I was somebody's name for their top secret clearance. And you're right. It does. It freaks the shit out of you. So, so there's (laughs) that. So it's positive to him, but let me flip the coin. Um, you're familiar with Chelsea Manning. Yes. 
And for the lay person, that is the army officer or not officer, army soldier who um, helped WikiLeaks. Is that? Yeah. Uh, the, Basically gave access to a server, I think. Right. Went through a gender transform, which kind of not really the point. Um, just to give you an idea of who we're talking about. Um, what I'm getting at is, is Bob, there's people with guns at Area 51, right? And that's for, right? I've never been there, so I can't say. So we can just walk in there? Uh, I don't know. No, there's a gate. So there is, there's, I'm sure there's a gate with armed military. Right. Sure. So what's the or chances <laughs> over the last N number of years that none of the security forces, because it's, I believe it's guarded by the Air Force and they call them SF security forces. They're like military police for army. What's the chances that none of the security forces have ever said what they've seen? Because they've got to, I mean, somebody's got to transport these things. But if you're just guarding the gate, you might not ever know what's inside. Right. Just, you're just, just there just, to guard the gate. Bobby just moved. You have an alien spacecraft and he's come from Batavia, Illinois to Boulder, Colorado. Either you're moving that shit yourself or you're hiring somebody, right? Yeah. And he did mention contractors. So contractors would have NDAs. And if they want to keep getting that sweet government paycheck, then they got to make sure that they keep their mouths shut. So did you know that we move nuclear material over the rail lines in America. Do we still do that? We do. Cause my brother-in-law uh, is one of those types I of thought people. We, I thought we banned that like a decade ago. Nope. And then there's armed guards on those. Uh, well, there trains. better be. Exactly. So my point is, is what's the chances that none of these people have a deathbed confession? None of them snuck out a USB drive. None of them snuck in a GoPro. Nothing. How do you know that people haven't had those deathbed confessions and they just got shrugged off as being crazy, almost dead people? I went to deathbedconfessions.com, Bob, and there was nothing there. <laughs> <laughs> wow, they document all that. That has to be a Facebook property for sure. Yeah, because you just have to have an Alexa device. Alexa, I'm on my deathbed. Oh, wait, you already knew. All good. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't want to buy life insurance. It's a little late. Uh, deathbed confessions brought to you by facebook.com. So I'm just, I'm just throwing shade on the fact that humans cannot keep secrets. Would you agree? They're just really totally. bad at 100% it. Totally. 100% agree. 100%. And the bigger the secret, the harder it is to keep that in. Yes, but it totally can be explained by the compartmentalization too. Like everybody mm, doesn't know the full point. secret. To a point. To a point, yeah. I mean, you're working on, I mean, okay, let's say you have 10 compartments. They're all working on some sort of alien technology. So there is a common thread there. Right. So. But you're also talking about small teams. Um, probably not. I don't know. I got the feeling of handpickedness so, from his account. So Mr. Lazar said he worked with a guy named Barry. Barry and Bob didn't work for each other. So clearly they had a chain of command. It's just the way humans organize. Who yeah, I think they, they just said to? they had somebody that they set the reports to. I think he said he never even met the guy. Person. So... Because- <laughs> So religion and politics, two great ways to get yourself in trouble real quick. So you're telling me that none of the security forces, scientists, uh, officials had either political or religious motivations to have a uh, intervention and be like, guys, we have 
this and it proves aliens and it does this for religion or it does this and it makes so-and-so look bad because they're the other party. You're telling me aliens. Yeah, is a, yeah. I can't. I got nothing there. I mean, that's a very valid point. Like, why aren't there more? Why aren't there more credible sounding and again, believable, empathetic characters. Mr. Lazar sounded super credible to me, but he had the migraine thing, and I felt that was a little staged. Like, ooh, I don't want to answer. That's uncomfortable. Ooh, I need to think. Ooh, I don't have a good answer. Ooh, migraine. Next question. I, when it initially happened, I was like, oh, this is a get-out-of-jail card. And then I was like, wait a minute. He's under an incredible amount of stress. And who's to say... The, the total tinfoil hat just put them on. This will be my last conspiracy theory statement of the episode. I think <laughs> who's to say that that isn't something that's controlled by his prior affiliations as well. What's to say that when he goes to share this story, that there's something that's implanted in him that is controlled elsewhere that causes him extreme anxiety, pain, discomfort to try to dissuade him from <laughs> I think you're, now we're into definitely, we've gone into the uh, shoulder hey, of the we, road of conspiracy theory. If we've got the alien gutter. spacecraft, why wouldn't they have, you know, little chips that give you migraines? I mean, come on. All right. So, okay. Um, so Bob and Joe did talk about, you know, the possibility that they feed you bullshit during some point. And it's specific to you bullshit. And that right, way. If, so they can know if you leak it. Exactly. Yeah. But what if the reverse is true? What if Mr. Lazar is saying X, Y, and Z, but the real thing is A, B, and C, and it's he is the misinformation conduit? And they have used that. They, I mean, like they they have used that as a tool, like saying that he is out here disseminating disinformation intentionally. That's how they try to discredit him. But yeah, it's a very valid point. Like, why wouldn't you, if you were the government? say, hey, look over here at this puppet that is incredibly empathetic, incredible, and can pass lie detector tests, and don't don't pay attention to what's going on over here. <laughs> so did you watch the documentary Bob Lazar, Area 51, and Flying Saucers by Jeremy Corbell? Yeah, he was the other guest on that. Uh, <laughs> oh, by Joe the Rogan way, there episode. was another guest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, he, I think Jeremy is the one who got Bob on the podcast, but yeah, I did. I, we watched the documentary just the other night. Actually. Impressions were shitty. It's a shitty documentary. I'm glad you um, said that. Cause I was going to say that too. And I was going to feel bad for being the only one. I'm like, no, I, it, it, they could have made it a much better. I thought the production value 40, was too low. Well, it was just stupid. Like it was all pointless add-ons for sparkle and shine. And, and it, it really takes away from the importance of the potential message. And it could have been a 40 minute like documentary. Instead, they stretched out to be whatever length it was with a bunch of pointless crap transitional. I couldn't even understand most of the stuff that the, the voice was saying. We've come like he was probably reading shit and like, you know, we've come so far, but yet we've very begun. <laughs> yeah, the, um, they actually had a celebrity uh, narrator for that. And his name's eluding me. He was in The Wrestler. Um, shit, what's his name? Oh, God, it wasn't the guy from Nine and a Half Weeks. That guy. Um, the old guy that's in the that, that has had all the the cosmetic surgeries who was the wrestler. Yeah. That guy, I think, 
Uh, God, what the fuck is his name? Is it Mickey Reen? No, no. Mickey Rourke. Mickey yeah. Rourke. There it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was barely into, he was, I could barely understand him because of Botox lips and his facelift. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Barely begun. Yeah. That uh, was terrible. I mean, uh, to Jeremy's credit, I've made a documentary in the paranormal realm, which is what the UFOs are. I did one on ghost hunting. It's hard to make a, a documentary and mine sucked too. So there. <laughs> Sorry, but yours is on Netflix, so you got me there. <laughs> yeah, I was very disappointed, though. It just, yeah, that really turned me off. All right. So I'm glad you watched it. That's good. I did, um, but I was just like, gosh, this is, this is, this is, no, this is not very good. <laughs> but, yeah. Hey, so before we sign off, I do want to mention something that um, has come up in my mind a ton of times since we've been off a couple weeks. Um, Libra. Yes. The cryptocurrency from Facebook has been getting shit on from anyone who has anything to say about tech. Now, I will tell you that this has all been happening over the course of the last three to four weeks or last month. Over a month ago, when it was first announced, when Libra was even like being talked about, we came up with every point that's already been mentioned by all the other media outlets. I swear to God, we were the first. So... Uh, I'd like to think that, A, we don't really have much filter um, on our topics, and I think we're very good at calling tech for what it is. I mean, if it's good, we're like, hey, that's a great fucking idea. If But technology tends to go more black mirror naturally for some reason. And, uh, yeah, so kudos to you and I for uh, kind of getting out earlier on that and well and i think kudos to us for taking a chance and talking about something that wasn't really filled with information around it but starting but easily able to see the writing on the wall with the international banking implications and everything else that's been talked about since we talked about it a month ago so yeah just want humble brag and also (laughs) you know congrats and you know i think we're doing the right thing here i do too speaking of black mirror new season's only three episodes i just finished it last night why did they only do three episodes and why were they all so mediocre i've, I've only seen uh, two of them i uh the one i liked so far the most was the miley cyrus one um, really but i haven't seen all three of them yet so i was a little disappointed in that one i mean i liked it i, I thought it was probably you know of the three probably one of the most clever ones of the three i don't know it just wasn't it wasn't dark enough <laughs> it wasn't black it wasn't black enough black mirror if that makes well, any so there's sense. only three episodes maybe they're running out of ideas maybe they need to listen to the bob and kevin show just saying well I, they might be just realizing that all technology is bad if you real if you <laughs> if you watch them there's totally uh timeline consistencies and recurring themes because the um personality export that's in the miley cyrus one is something that was in like throughout seasons one and two, something that they covered in independent episodes in each one of those. So um, the video game one, did you see the video game one? Yeah, I didn't finish it. Why did you get all? I made about two thousand about the no. I made about, about two thousand the way through, and I game? just didn't see where we're going with this story. And so maybe there's uh, a revelation at the end. But. No, you should definitely finish it. 
Okay. But the little thing that they put on their temple, that's referenced in seasons two and three as well. Like there's at least some commonality threads in their technology of how it evolved. Yep. Like they're so out of order, but this season seemed a little bit more closer to current time than most of the other seasons. So to, to reiterate what we were saying about topics and filters. So you and I were talking about one earlier today and we won't mention the topic. But in case we don't ever cover it. <laughs> we do have one topic that we would like to cover one day, I believe, but we cannot cover it until we get the almighty FU dollars <laughs> is what I'm saying. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Nope. So, not even going to go there. Yeah. So I'm not even going to mention what topic it is, but just so you know, we're, we are very edgy when it comes to our topics. We, I, and I'm proud of that. We're, we're not your grandfather's podcast. We are, we are not your keep the sponsors happy. We're not the, well, I can't say this about Facebook because what if in the future I want to work for Facebook, whatever. But we still have a few topics that are just too hot for podcasting right now that we're just going to hold off on. That's a little teaser if you'd like to sponsor the Bob and Kevin show. And it'll take <laughs> a lot of money because we need like FU money kind of money. Um, you know, reach out to us and I'm sure Bob will put some sort of promo for all of our social media somewhere in this podcast. So, yeah. Yeah. Yep. I don't know where yet, but yes, I will. All right, Bob. So are you going to be able to upload, are you going to be able to upload your file to me tonight instead of from a coffee shop in some location? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I have real internet. Now I have to figure out what I, you know, I have to draw some sort of artwork for this and aliens and you know. Oh, super easy. Spaceship belly forward done. <laughs> okay. All right. Fair enough. Well, may, maybe an alien creature somewhere. That's important. See, it's getting complicated. All right. <laughs> uh, let, let's go back to easy. We've got one more order business, Bob. And it is to bring the alien life form lightning 